Hello and welcome to What Our Point Is, where we bring together a variety of perspectives to discuss the biggest stories of the week and decide what our point, or if in fact there are no point at all. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Today it is Wednesday, September 1st. I am with Ben and Dan. Hello. Hello. I guess we'll start this week with just the disaster that is the American... Uh, I mean, well, Louisiana that just suffered this massive hurricane and there's no power in the city at all. It's impressive that the levees held. It was like the first test since Katrina to see if those would actually hold. And they did. So props to the um, Army Corps of Engineers for figuring that shit out. But now the the power doesn't work. I mean, everyone's always known Intergy, the company in Louisiana, is not particularly good. I'm not sure what I guess just like some transformers or different aspects of the critical aspects of the infrastructure failed and they just don't know how long it's going to take to get back. But it, it seems like that should have been anticipated more. So it's probably good that Biden has been ringing the bell on infrastructure for a while. What are any thoughts on this from y'all? What is, how do you think things have been going? Bad. I mean, I think is the, I mean, I would say one good thing we were able to rebuild New Orleans more resilient the levees held this time. So like, that's like a good thing that if we actually build new things, they can withstand extreme weather. So now we just need to do that across the country. Yeah. How much did that cost? I have no notion of this. Sure. It was in the billions of dollars. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like the craziest thing that I saw was like at one point, uh, this hurricane managed to reverse the flow of the Mississippi river, which has obviously never happened before. And that's, you know, the Mississippi river, in New Orleans is like what 200 feet deep so it's like a skyscraper tall it's like absolutely insane to think about that yeah it's not that's water what, is, what happened upriver oh my god if you were water coming down and up yeah and like massive flooding Grand Isle being destroyed shows how how just forceful the the thing was and just how much and it, it seems like since the power's out it's impossible to know exactly the extent of whatever the you know, suffering, how many people died or just all the fucked up things that might have happened. Cause it just seems like, how could you know if nobody has power, nobody's really been able to talk to each other, report anything. It seems like it's slowly getting back on. I heard that there was a little bit of power on today, but like my dad is currently driving to the Atlanta airport to, I think he's sitting at the Atlanta airport right now waiting to fly out. So it's just like a mass exodus from the city. I wonder if this will affect people wanting, it seems like there was a boom in new orleans of you know like i don't know younger professionals trying to move down there gentrifying the city more i wonder if people will think twice about living in new orleans if this is going to be a yearly problem if you have three hurricanes a year it might really affect the you know quality of life living there i don't know dan do you do you feel like you're being swallowed by a wildfire is is lowering your the appeal of living in california for you it just seems like this might be happening everywhere yeah i think we'll i mean we're only in August now, so there's two months left. But I think if you have three or four years in a row where it's un- California is unlivable for a month a year, it really changes the calculus. Or And I think that, I don't know, the big thing is can you just change the school calendar and just say we don't have school September and October and everyone just leaves who can. So there's fewer people here than we have school, you know what I mean, and say, okay, summer in Tahoe should be like whatever the fall because no one's no one can live there everyone needs to leave i don't know that, that there's definitely i think that's the toughest thing of like you can't escape it if you're here and it's that smoky i mean and it's just everywhere you can't go outside you can't open your windows and when it's that bad and does, so does portugal have any natural kind of like 
persistent virus going around causing lung issues for people. <laughs> right. And so it's like you can't go inside anywhere because of COVID, but you can't go outside in a lot of places because of the fires. It's yeah. like quite a one-two. Are there Sorry, any Seth, natural disasters ask? in Portugal? Like, what is Portugal's main threat? The national team coach? <laughs> they they fucking won. They managed to win this game <laughs> somehow. This Ronaldo scored twice in like the 89th and 94th minute or something. No, that like the only thing in Portugal is uh, there are some wildfire issues, and a lot of this is caused by how windy it is, and also eucalyptus trees, which are non-native and they're kind of everywhere in the countryside, which can get a little arid, and when they heat up a lot, they tend to explode, and so that kind of facilitates the spreading of things because they've got so much sap (laughs) and then with the wind that also doesn't help so portugal every few years has like a particularly bad time with fires and i think about a month ago there were like some decent sized fires in the south which was you know a little unfortunate but beyond that there's not too much like there's no issues with earthquakes tsunamis anything have you ever been to nazare i've been watching this show on hbo about the hundred foot wave very good yeah, I haven't been. We haven't been. We haven't been there yet. We've driven kind of past it because uh, pre-pandemic we went up to Porto and a place called Jerez, but um, we didn't stop at Nazaré or anything like that. Have you seen any of this hundred-foot wave show? You should watch it. It's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, yeah. We started it as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think the guy is fucking hilarious. The McNamara yeah. guy. He's just such yeah. like insane space cadet. Yeah. All right. So we've talked about sports for a bit. What are your Ben? What's your thoughts on how? the everything shaking out at the beginning of the season i mean nice it was a good episode to talk about how bad arsenal are as they then proceeded to get crushed by nothing. i mean yeah that was kind of predictable um i mean i think uh i'm a little biased but i think chelsea are the best team in england um at the moment i think chelsea have like the deepest and most complete squad uh, of anyone besides maybe psg in the world like it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, a very successful transfer window. Chelsea spent had a net spend of like three million pounds at the end of it, despite buying Lukaku for ninety-seven million or something. I don't know. Like generally, I think it's it's been utter chaos, and you kind of see the impact of COVID with a lot of kind of cut price deals, and obviously Barcelona are a dumpster fire. I don't know how effective all these players are going to be like there's i think there's real questions about the fit of ronaldo at united and even messi at psg i don't know the extent to which they're going to fit in properly and like be additive rather than subtractive to the overall quality of those teams griezmann going back to uh atletico is a cool move yeah i mean yeah well it's just like i feel like atleti are we're already favorites in spain given everything that's going on and griezmann never really fit in with Barcelona, but I think he's still got a decent bit to offer. And like an attacking three of Suarez, Griezmann, and Joao Felix is, you know, top tier, you'd have to say. So I think Atleti are going to be very interesting. I like Rodrigo DePaul, too, the guy they signed from uh, Udinese. He had a really great season. He's had like two or three great seasons in a row. So Dan, have you been watching much soccer? A little bit. You know, I watched to see the Harry Kane drama unfold and see if he was going to stay or go. And I'm Excited that he was going to stay. I was not should really, I stay or should I go? I didn't really want to have, you know, <laughs> Man City have any more players. So that was a nice one. I'm a Chelsea Chelsea lad as well. Wow, you are now? You're a Chelsea lad? God, you, Ben, and Hansman, they're all Chelsea lads. <laughs> well, I started rooting for them, and then they got amazing. So I think that's a sign that now I'm going to keep rooting for them. 
it's like the Patriots, another great topic, who had one year of a rough seven and nine. Some teams would still call that a success. And now they have a quarterback in the future who's going to start this next week. Mac Jones is going to be there for 20 years, and we're going to back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. It's pretty good. Bill Belichick is such an interesting dude. I mean, he it's from his answers, it seemed pretty clear that he cut Cam Newton largely because he wouldn't get vaccinated, don't you think? He or, said today that had nothing to do with it. Yeah, that's because bullshit. The thing with 100% Bill, he did. Right. I think it probably meant that he couldn't count on Cam. And so he was like, Cam is, just doesn't make sense to have you around. And I think the thing with Bill, though, with the vaccine is he's a super Trumpy. So he's kind of like his predilection is to be, you know, anti-vaccine. Oh, God, really? All, he's, oh, my God. I didn't realize he's that Trumpy. OK. He's that Trumpy. He wrote a letter to Trump ahead of the 2020 election saying, Mr. President, like, I hope you win so you can continue the greatness and continue leading us into the promised land, blah, 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 blah. Um, it's really bad. And uh, but I think the other side of the coin for him is he's like, I want to have a competitive advantage. And if all my players are vaccinated, I will have a competitive advantage because we'll never miss a game and miss have, you know, position groups have to be out. So. I do think that's yeah, part of like, it. But I mean, also, if you, had, if you had to pick any single position where not being vaccinated is like the biggest deterrent, it's probably backup quarterback. Like considering how much film quarterbacks are watching together, and like you saw what happened to the Broncos last year when they had to start a wide receiver quarterback because all of theirs got COVID. So like, I you know, right. it just seems like a I'm no-brainer. Think, like if you watch and if you listen to any of the analytics teams, Pro Football Focus, right? PFF, they graded. Mac Jones to have like the best preseason of a quarterback in like years and his senior season was phenomenal too. So it's not so much that Cam like didn't get vaccinated. That was the thing. Mac Jones played phenomenal. And, Mac Jones. That's a cool name too. Right. Well, the other thing right? is as well, it's like Cam's the way Cam's contract was structured. It was like, like 3 million base salary. And then he had seven and a half million in incentives and roster bonuses. So like, right. that's the other reason to, to ax him now. I don't know. I sense a hard pivot coming. But I think one last thing on the Patriots. I do think, Seth, I'm not sure. You might have to become a fan because I do feel like they're going to start playing Return of the Mac at every game. Like if he scores a touchdown or something. Return of the Mac. That is one of your favorite songs. So you might have to become. Wait, keep going. Keep going, Nick. Return of the Mac. (laughs) How are you, Nick? How's life with a baby? Uh, Just. for our listeners, there's a series of fiery text messages that were exchanged earlier today, <laughs> partly due to sleep deprivation. Uh, little baby G's just gross spurt, just eating every single night. Um, so, so that means you get to sleep a lot? Is that how that works? No, uh, opposite. Um, so I miss that. Like, I miss having connected REM sleep cycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. I don't want Ellie to listen to this because she'll she'll be like, well, you have it easier. Which is true. She's sleeping less than I am. Dads have it hard. You know, Ben and I will tell you that. No. Moms <laughs> have it harder. Nope. 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 I don't know nope, what you guys nope. went through. Yeah, you're playing with fire over there, Dan. <laughs> I don't know what your daughters, uh, Ben and Theo, just, I don't know. Were they, were they good sleepers early on? I mean, I think we talked about it. Early on, not so much. I guess uh, it's unavoidable. Yeah. Emilia would 
only sleep for like 20 minutes at a time during the day, which was like a huge pain in the ass. At night, she was a little better. She would go usually like two to three hours. Olivia would nap a little bit better, but at night she was a bit worse. Um, but then once after sleep training, both got on board with sleeping through the night pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah, that's like for us, sleep training is like almost four months away. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you got a long time. Just take, take the sleep whenever you can get it. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so I accuse like <laughs> Dan, I think, was just triggering me, which I realize now, uh, <laughs> which I get triggered even when I'm sleep when I'm rested, but I realized Just for I the listeners, I woke up on I think what was it Monday morning with 156 text <laughs> messages. I think I used the expression Taliban Dan, which was cheap. And I for, for, forgive me. I, I know you're not a Taliban. There's no yeah. Taliban in Massachusetts. No. All right, so explain some of what you sure. are so. I mean, a lot of what you're sending is fucked up. Like, so there are three called? three things that stuck with me. The point of First of all, blaming the media for being warmongers. I think that's disingenuous. That's probably pretty fair. Uh, And I think, you know, um, Republicans blame the media for stuff, too, to be fair. It's it's a bipartisan thing. The other thing that bothered me is, well, why didn't they get out or why were they there in the first place? And to me, that's also kind of like, I mean, people were there for stupid reasons, maybe like, you know, some... British dude was there like on a tourist trip on his own, which is insane. But then me legitimately had like Afghan Americans trying to get their family out. So they flew there to get like their elderly parent out or something. You had stories like that. And then the other story that bugs me is you really like, yes, the evacuation saved a hundred thousand people, but it did not. I mean, the number of Afghans that we sort of, had an oath to protect through the CIV program. I mean, we abandoned students at the American University of Afghanistan in, in Kabul. We abandoned VOA, Voice of America journalists who worked for the U.S. government. That to me is not an indication of any type of success. I mean, the estimates are we left 300,000 people behind who are in, who are getting slaughtered. And there's this like level of callousness on the part of like people defending the administration that doesn't take that into account. I mean, their, their, their spin only goes so far and you're just kind of met with reality that yes, sure. The war is a 20 year war, spent a lot of money on it. It, you know, trillions of dollars, some of it, a lot of it wasted, but from the human perspective, I mean, I think you just can't go around. You cannot spin that to say, they shouldn't have been there in the first place. It's their fault that they're stuck in Afghanistan. It's most of those people are Afghans. Um, and it's like saying the Jews should have left Europe before the Holocaust. I mean, that's just, it's ridiculous. Um, and that's, that's my piece. Right. Uh, I don't know what you guys talked that, about. I think on the last point, Nicholas, I think it's tough. I think Biden appreciates that he does not have 50 votes in the Senate to allow 300,000 Afghans into the country. But that's not that that's that's a pivot, too, because it's not a question of it's getting them into pivot. the country. It's a question of getting them out to you can Where, get them out have of Afghanistan. Somewhere. They can go to Doha. They can go to Alu Dade Air Force Base, Al Dafra. They can go to multiple locations that the U.S. has. We have placed Germany. Ramstein is sheltering Afghans. The question is getting them out of Afghanistan and then you figure out where to settle them. 
you vet them, you, you settle them. You don't have to settle them in the United States if there's this, this strict civ requirement. But the it was on the Biden administration to get those people out. And there were I mean, no there were no congressional does, immigration restrictions on the number of people they could have evacuated from Kabul. I mean, but if you, Nick, the, it seems that that even even over a longer period of time or whatever, 300,000 people seems somewhat Herculean. It's like that's a lot of people to be evacuated. Well, that was the obligation we had. That was a moral obligation we had to fulfill. And and I'm, I mean, I'm seeing news reports of White House staffers saying that this is an utter failure. Now, these are people who work in the Biden administration and in the Biden, in, uh, even under Tony Blinken. Yes. All right. Nick, Dan clearly can't admit that Biden has messed up too much. It's just, you're not going to get that out of him, even Is though that it's obvious of, for, for professional reasons. I don't know. I don't Maybe he's just stubborn. Like you're stubborn. It's, maybe it's, just, it's just my view on this. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. If it's for, for professional reasons, there's good reason. I, I get it. I mean, there are things I couldn't talk about in my previous job as well. That but in my opinion, hated. It did. It has seemed like a total clusterfuck. This is going to really hurt Biden, but I'm okay with that because you know Biden, he was sort of an imperfect choice in the first place. I I remember when Biden was first coming up, I just thought that there was no way he could win. The whole him getting this when you look back and the whole Clyburn thing, and them consolidating Beto O'Rourke and everybody and Pete Buttigieg dropping out, it's still just insane. Biden's in the position he's in in the first place. Do you, I I didn't think Biden was really going to have much of a chance in the second term anyway. I mean. My, my opinion's always been that he might be someone else might run in his stead, but maybe not. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I it just to me, I think what triggered is working with this Afghan family and seeing their passport photos and their like selfies and their stats and who they worked for and what they did. That to me just like was a gut punch because they're still stuck there. I mean, the, the father, the uncle of this Afghan I'm working with, he had a pass to the airport. He had a State Department issued pass and I have a copy of it and it didn't. Didn't do so any good. Is he still there? Is he is he trapped? Their family is still stuck there. Um, I I part of me just doesn't want to ask. Uh, there is some chatter. There's like a sort of a veteran slash hill staff effort to somehow get a, a sort of pipeline to Uzbekistan or something, which is very difficult because their borders closed. But it it is. I mean. It, I think the callousness is what kind of hurts. And, and again, not to say that's a bipartisan, that's a bipartisan callousness because you're seeing some Republicans tweet nasty stuff about bringing immigrants into the country. But there's also a callousness on the left as well to just not care or to spin it. And I think it, I think when things are messed up, at least I think everyone on this podcast was taught when things, when you mess up, you, you admit fault and you correct you correct that. And yes, that sort of, you were raised well, Nick. You were very but that doesn't well. work in politics. I get that, too. So Yeah, it's true. Trump was the master at admitting when he messed up. He really perfected yeah. that. Took it to the best level. <laughs> I don't talk about my ass. <laughs> yeah, don't get me started. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Do you think, do you think that the Patriots are <laughs> trying to tie this into Afghanistan? Do you think I could do a seven seven layers of Kevin Bacon and figure out a relationship between the New England Patriots and the, and the Taliban? I'm sure. I'm sure Tom Brady and the Taliban own real estate in the same Manhattan skyscraper. Right. Well, I think right. Tom Brady and uh, the old Afghan president who ran away with two hundred million dollars. I think that's like the tough thing. It's like, oh, Biden needed to protect the citizens when the 
president of Afghanistan jumps on a plane with $200 million and was like, yeah, so he's out. Yeah. Like, I mean, so Amrula Saleh, the vice president, is currently in the Punjab Valley fighting. And he's he's a I, Tajik. He's very heroic, which I do not think the, Af- the Biden administration has even attempted to help these people. There are about 8,000 fighters in the Punjab Valley, and they're the last hope for Afghanistan. And they're surrounded by Taliban forces. And there isn't, at least they're supporting Congress to support these people, but not, I haven't heard a peep from Blinken, which I think is shameful. Point two with Ghani, yeah, he, I mean, there is a level of corruption. I mean, Karzai was corrupt. Right. Uh, Ghani, I think his main fault was being weak and not fully aware of how dire the situation was, which was made evident by the leaked phone calls that came out today. However, I think the calculus he made the as president, yes, it was somewhat cowardly to flee, but I think you are asking him to sacrifice his life because I will tell you the story of Na, Na, Muhammad Najibullah was sort of the caretaker president before the Taliban takeover in the 90s and 94. He was arrested by the Taliban. He was tortured by the Taliban. He was castrated by the Taliban. He was dragged behind a Toyota Helix by the Taliban and died that way and his body was hung upside down for days in i believe kandahar or kabul i I think kabul as a display to warn citizens against rebelling against the taliban so i think that's what ashraf ghani had in his mind when he fled so again those are difficult choices i don't i know i could blame him for being corrupt and taking money but there's a lot more people I have. Yeah, the, I, have I mean, the with. Taliban, the more you read about it, it is. Uh, I was thinking about the point you made the other day, Nick, about how ISIS is very public with their violence, where the Taliban are deliberately low key with their violence. They don't want to bring too much attention to it. They, they really do just want to, like, stamp down any sort of uh, uprisings or people that, you know, Westerners or secular influences, anything that's not Sharia or whatever. Um, but uh, can you explain? I, I still don't understand. I mean, I, I guess that the that uh the suicide bomb happened since our last podcast, right? That was was that ISIS K? What is ISIS K? And how and is there this is there like a, a an internal battle going on between the Taliban and them? How I, all of this seems so confusing. And yeah. the U.S. is now somehow supporting the Taliban against them. Is that what's going so, on? So y- yes and no. So. I would say ISIS K came about in the, in like 2015. It's a it's a it's a it's a rogue offshoot of the Taliban. I think would be a simplistic way of putting it. So it's mostly comprised of. I would say it's more international. Taliban is like an ethnic nationalist Wahhabi group. So they're all they're Afghan Pashtun for the most part, and they're like crazy Wahhabi extremists who are incredibly believe in this incredibly like strong conservative extremist oppressive view of Islam. And they, they have an offshoot in Pakistan called the TTP, which is like the Pakistani franchise of the Taliban. And they kind of believe the same thing. They're ethnic Pashtun, but they're Pakistani. And ISIS K sort of split off from the Taliban in 2015, because they felt the Taliban at that point were losing, we're, we're not doing well in battle. We're losing ground, um, maybe not losing ground, but they were kind of in a stasis and a stalemate. And so they when this is when ISIS was hot, you know, like 
you know, now 45, kind of the ISIS was in its sexy period when it was attracting all these crazy lunatics. And so they they switched allegiance from the Taliban to, you know, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi or whatever. And they kind of, I don't know if you'd call it like, I'm trying to find like the corporate example, but they, they split off and they're mostly comprised of sort of almost some some disaffected Taliban, Afghan Taliban, some disaffected Pakistani Taliban, and a lot of like foreign fighters, like Arab speakers, probably some Saudis, who knows. And they're, the Taliban kind of tried to rein them in a little bit. And Wesley Morgan, who's a journalist who wrote for Politico, he wrote about how the U.S. like sort of implicitly helped the Taliban kind of bomb them by providing air support. Um, but that being said, the story goes is when they when they took control over several prisons like a couple of weeks ago, the Taliban released every single ISIS K detainee with the exception of eight senior leaders who they executed. And so there's this like weird frenemy situation where they want to bring them in and bring them into the fold under their control. And I think they're it's sort of the same dynamic that occurred in Syria because Syria has like an Al-Qaeda affiliate called al-Nusra. They, I mean, they probably changed their name by now, but it's, it's sort of generally na- viewed as it's called al-Nusra Front, which is an, the al-Qaeda affiliate in Syria. But then there's also I- ISIS Syria. So they believe in the same goals. They just believe in different tactics and, and have a command and control fight. But so is, the, is it correct that ISIS-K was responsible for that suicide bombing? That is bombing? 100% correct. However, I'd like to also point out the Saban... And then there's something called the Haqqani Network, which is also sort of makes things more complicated. They're this like sort of clan of people that are loyal to the Taliban. It's like Haqqani family. They um, were put in charge of Kabul airport security. And they had either accidentally provided by the U.S. stupidly were names of Afghans that had helped us that were trying to we were trying to get to the airport. They had a list of people who could essentially enter into the airport zone. And they were they had full command and control of who was getting in and getting out. And what is a big head scratcher to me is why did they accidentally let this ISIS case suicide bomber into the airport perimeter? And to me, I think the evidence points to the a deliberate allowance of this ISIS case suicide bomber. The case, by the way, the case stands for Khorasan, which is this like big province in Afghanistan that apparently has some religious significance or something to the second coming of the prophet or something. I'm not not a scholar in this. Very informative. I didn't know any of that. Thank you, Nicholas. I just want to get Dan on the record condemning ISIS-K. Will you condemn ISIS-K? I think everyone condemns ISIS-K. Good. Come on, Taliban Dan. Right. You know what I keep thinking about is that song, uh, I'm the rubber band man, wild as the Taliban. Remember that song? (laughs) Yeah, I do remember. That's a great, great song. Is that what George Bush would sing to himself every night? (laughs) <laughs> I uh, I would like to also point out there's a good article on task and purpose, which is this like military blog about how U.S. personnel left offensive graffiti at the airport to stick it to the Taliban, which I loved. It you know be like Taliban bleep bleep. You know you can't say it on the radio. for listening to this week's episode please tune in next week when we will be discussing afghanistan i'm sure some more and as well as the fallout of hurricane Ida. please stay safe everyone 
talk to you next week.